Get ready to start your new morning ritual with our new sponsor, Mudwater. Coffee is one of America's favorite beverages, with more and more people starting their coffee habits every day with a cup of that flavorful anxiety juice. But let's be real. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm working on getting more coffee into my life? Millions of people complain about the jitters that come from coffee consumption. Our morning coffee rituals can be habit-forming and, for some people, can make getting a good night's sleep almost impossible. And while nearly all of us like the smell, taste, and ritual of our morning coffee, why not explore eliminating the negative aspects of our morning brew? Well, what if your coffee replacement helped induce alertness, not dependency, improve mental capacity and function, improve physical stamina and performance, improve immunity and overall health. Oh, and by the way, it tastes good enough to drink every single day. Meet Mudwater. Mudwater is your fastest growing coffee alternative in the market, consisting of organic ingredients lauded by cultures both old and young for their health and performance benefits. With one-seventh the caffeine of coffee, Mud gives you the natural energy and focus you expect from coffee, but without the jitters and crash. With an organic blend of mushrooms and ingredients like cacao, marsala chai, turmeric, lion's mane, and more, Mud Water offers a beverage like no other. Whether you want to enjoy it hot, cold, as a latte, or however you take your coffee in the morning, Mud Water is zero sugar, zero crash, zero jitter alternative, sure to leave you feeling recharged and refocused. Listen, I'm really excited to have Mud Water as a sponsor here on The Brian Nichols Show because I've been able to see the Mud Water difference for myself, and you can too, so click the link in the show notes to get some mud, support the show, and get your new morning ritual started right with Mud Water. And now, onto the show. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. It is Wednesday, my dudes, and welcome to another fun-filled episode of The Brian Nichols Show. I am your humble host, Brian Nichols, and thank you for joining us on, yes, another fun-filled episode with another phenomenal guest, as today we are having a returning guest joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show, Sam Jacobs from Ammo.com returns to the program to discuss all things about the Second Amendment. What can we expect as we are moving forward here in 2021 for the Second Amendment in an era of the Biden administration? I know we had Beto, 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 who was talking about taking everybody's guns back in the primaries. Well, my goodness, now we have a Democratic administration. Is that something that we should be concerned about? Uh, So, Sam digs into all of that and more. So, without further ado, on to the show. Sam Jacobs here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely, man. Hey, Sam, you have been uh, working a lot behind the scenes. Ammo.com. Right now, people are raising an eyebrow, man. Since we last spoke, October to now, lots changed. We uh, we have a new president. And I know when we discussed last time, you were a little weary. Do we, though? Uh, do we? I know. With with a, regards to the 2A, and that's what I wanted to have you come back on the show, is to dig into what can we spe- expect? And I guess it's a fair, I guess, question to ask. Will much change? And, and if much will change, what will change? So, Sam Jacobs, gun. Uh, you're talking about guns and, and 2A here from Ammo.com. Folks, obviously, you are familiar with your work here. We've had you in the show before. But let's do a quick overview of what we can expect here now uh, as we're transitioning over to a Biden presidency. Well, I want to first like just preface all this by saying that um, it's not that Joe Biden is not my president. Joe Biden is not the president. Uh, Joe Biden did not win the election. 
This is my like. And and furthermore, it is my belief that Carthage must be destroyed. That will come after every come after before everything I say. Um, Joe Biden did not win the 2020 election and is not the president, uh, but he's exercising the powers of the president. Um, so it's worth talking about what he may have planned for the country, a lot of which is very, very scary, particularly given that there is a House bill that has been introduced that I am trying to dig up um, as we speak. It has been introduced by uh, Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. She is a, a Democrat from the state of Texas, and this would create a national firearms registry, uh, minimum gun ownership age at 21, licensing psychological evaluations of you and your family. Uh, there also would be registration for uh, ammunition, heavy taxes on most of the common firearms that people own because, you know, military style weapons is like basically any semi-automatic rifle. Uh, there's no reason to believe it wouldn't necessarily include uh, semi-automatic handguns for that matter. And yeah, I mean, the registry information would be available to law enforcement from the local to federal level, United States military. I was going to say, uh, explain anyone... that, what that means, because I'm sure some people hear like a registry. What That doesn't sound terrible, but oh, it, to your point. <laughs> um, it's I mean, well, I think most people listening to this think that registries are terrible. I mean, registries will be a precursor to um, confiscation they well so sam are. I'll, I'll be very honest with you actually a lot of people might not even know what a registry are for the show because my show i mean we've been doing a lot of libertarian talk on here but mostly i mean my audience it's been really changing over the past year it's been changing more so of you know high level how do we talk about this stuff but to, to some people they might even re really realize how scary some of these registries that the government is is archiving so i mean i, I know we, we say you know people know about this but actually a lot of people don't realize you know the the, the no-fly lists right the the, the registries right. it, the, that that's it's there and there's a lot of people that are probably in our audience that candidly are on lists and they don't even realize it well i think that it's safe to assume that you're on a list i mean if you've ever expressed any um, controversial opinion on any topic online <laughs> um, you're, you're probably on a list so it's better to just assume that you're on a list now the, the good news about being on a list is that so is everyone else so <laughs> um, you know it's so much data to sort through and it's I think more the case that if they decide to come after you that they're going to have you know x y I mean it's like um it is Kafkaesque in the truest sense of the word, but it's pretty much how things were run in East Germany is a really good example is like, you know, we'll figure out what you did because there's so many laws on the books. They're designed um, so that you can't possibly know all of them. And the, you know, desire is that they can just at a moment of their choosing decide which law you've broken and this is basically what they did to manafort this is basically what they did uh to roger stone this is basically what they did to general flynn um we'll figure out you know what it is that you that you did wrong um the registry is concerning for a variety of reasons because um you know a few reasons one is that it will, I mean, it will be used to confiscate guns at a later date um, on a, you know, if, if they keep getting their way. And I would not count on a Republican administration or any other to roll it back once it's in place, because once these things 
get etched into law, they tend not to get rolled back. I mean, everyone is still getting uh, their junk groped at the airport. Um, I don't know that there's any serious risk of um, Islamic terror attacks on airplanes anymore. Um, There's a truck going by, and I apologize for that. But, you know, I mean, there's also like the TSA is demonstrably um, ineffective, and yet we still have to all submit to it, and nobody seriously discusses getting rid of it. So uh, liberty once lost is is generally gone forever. Um, and I'm reading that the military-style weapons would be pretty much all semi-automatic rifles and handguns and also some shotguns, which is Shotguns? Pretty, wow, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, and that's, and that's the ban. That's not the registry. The registry is going to be everything. I mean, there's also the, um, you know, the high capacity magazines and high capacity is in, you know, air quotes here. Um, the high capacity magazine tax that uh, Biden believes that he can simply put through by executive fiat, which I think is going to be something like uh, $200 for every magazine over 15 rounds that you own and just like do some quick math in your head on that um so yeah now how likely is any of it um i think that if we're shaking the crystal ball on that it's like some kind of version of signs unclear uh so I, I don't know. You know, I think that I think that when it comes to the Biden regime, um, I don't think that Joe Biden has I don't think that Joe Biden is is like there, you know, and, I, and I'm not making a joke. No, I we discussed this actually, last time, actually. I think we, like that there you can tell he's not the same person he was 08 and 16. And it's quite obvious 20. He, he was a shell of his former himself. Yeah. And it's sad. And it's not like to me, it's not a thing to really make jokes about. Like it's I I don't I don't have any love for Joe Biden. Um, There's a lot of criticisms that I would make of Joe Biden. But I think it's really sad that a man who's in clear cognitive decline has to spend the last few months, years of his life, uh, you know, being this weird puppet. Uh, But I think that that's the thing that makes the administration both uh, the, the regime both very dangerous and very unpredictable is that, you know, if you kind of like there's a there's a term for this in in Marxist terminology, which I think is really the only term that, that explains it. But it's called Bonapartism. And it's basically that there's there's, you know, 16 competing factions that are behind this thing. And on any given day or at any given minute one of them might have more power than another. And clearly some are always more powerful than others. And there's these constantly shifting kind of blocks, but which um, group of people behind the scenes is actually in control at any given time, I don't think is going to remain constant. And I think that they all have a lot of very different um agendas and i and i also don't know you know i i don't think any of them are particularly 2a friendly but i do think that for a lot of them it's a lot like what you know the the pro-life movement is for the republican party like the republic it's not in the republican party's interest to ever deliver anything for the pro-life movement it's much more in their interest to i mean Rand paul found this out the day that he was like hey we got the votes to 
you know, cut funding for Planned Parenthood. And they were basically like, well, we better not have a vote on it then, because like there goes that issue at election time. Um, So I think there may be some within the administration who were like, well, it's, you know, better to kind of keep this around as a bogeyman than to actually deliver what our constituents want on it. But I think that's as close as you get to two A friendly in in you know this golem of uh, competing interests that is the Biden regime. So what they'll actually do and what they actually have an appetite to do, um, I don't know. I think early signs point towards they're going to go pretty aggressively after your Second Amendment rights. But um, I also would have you know a month ago said that that. Um, you know, student loan forgiveness was a done deal. And I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to deliver on that. I mean, they can't even get the checks out. They can't even get these $2,000 now $1,400 checks together. So I think that that's kind of the flip side of this coin is that, you know, when you have this, this kind of um, amalgamated, uh, constantly shifting, you know, Bonapartist regime where the, where Biden is just the front man and everything going on behind the scenes is where the real power is. Um, In the case of the Biden regime, it seems to be that they are going to have a lot of difficulty actually getting anything done, uh, which I hope holds because that is for me, you and every other freedom loving American, the absolute best scenario that we can have. Uh, let's let's dig into that, right? So we we see obviously you're going to have some votes out there. Um, oh my goodness, the the senator's name from West Virginia, uh, whose name is escaping me at this moment, but Manchin, uh, Manchin, thank you, Joe Manchin. Um, you have Kristen Cinema out in Arizona, so you have these yeah. these Democrats who, I mean, obviously they're they're not these wild, rabid progressives, right? So it is it's reassuring to think that we're not going to see this jump into this you know total cataclysmic shift into socialism, but. To your point, there are people in the the greater administration who would love nothing more, and and I would look no further than just one row or one seat away, and that is Kamala Harris. I mean, goodness, back in 2019, I think it was she was voted as the most progressive member of the Senate, even above that of of Bernie Sanders. Which, whew, that's that that's something. So, I mean, we we just discussed the elephant in the room. Joe Biden is old, and he's not his him his former self. I mean, he really is a shell of what he used to be. So it's not a matter of, you know, doom saying, but rather just elephant in the room. This is the inevitable. He doesn't look like he would have too much time, be it, um, you know, the ultimate he passes away or he just can no longer do the job. So a Kamala Harris presidency, Sam, it doesn't sound like it is necessarily too far away. So what should we consider uh, I guess with with that being said, she's made it a point just from her own words, executive orders, Biden, whatever he did, let's multiply it by like 10. It sounds like is that kind of the pathway you think she would go? Well, yeah, I mean, I think there'd be probably more. I think a President Harris or, you know, a, a fake President Harris would probably be uh, putting through more executive orders even than Biden. I mean, I think the thing too kind of the other layer of this with Harris is that I think that Harris is really, I don't think Harris has any political convictions. You know, I think she is a total uh, power hungry finger in the wind type of the, of the kind of, you know, Bill Clinton model. Um, So again, 
difficult to predict what she would actually do given that I don't think that any, there's anything that kind of moors her to any, you know, non-shifting set of scruples. I mean, she was the most pro- progressive senator uh, in the United States Senate. I think that that is a function of the fact that she was from California and that's how you become a hero to people in California. I think if she had found herself, um, you know, in West Virginia, for example, or Ohio or what, you know, pick a, pick a state um, that she would have had a completely different set of principles. Um, But that said, the power hungry aspect of her, I think, does love the, the idea of executive orders. I think does love uh, the idea that she thinks that, you know, the, the presidency is this thing that can just do whatever it wants. And I think if we're being realistic, that in a sense, yeah, it kind of is. Uh, whether we think that's constitutional or right or any other thing is, you know, completely separate from the fact that, yeah, the president can pass an executive order and then it's kind of on, you know, everyone else to, to fight it in the, in the courts once it's been passed. I was going to say really quick, did you see, did you see Christy Nome in, in South Dakota? She, they actually just said the, uh, the South Dakota Republicans are putting forward a bill, um, that they would pass on a state level to actually stand against Biden's executive order. So to your point, there is uh, means for states and and localities to actually stand up for their rights. Yeah, and Montana, I Montana, the House just passed a. Uh, I don't know if they passed or if it's in committee. I don't remember which, but uh, Montana is looking at a similar kind of nullification law. You know, on the Resistance Library uh, podcast, we had somebody from the Tenth Amendment Center on who was, I think, really good at explaining how nullification actually works. And, you know, nullification does work. And if you don't believe me, um, it's like 38 states, you can buy marijuana in legally. And the federal government says that it's not legal and they're still doing it. I don't know how many sanctuary cities there are in this country, but they're doing nullification too. So it's, you know, it's very much a, a viable path to chipping away at federal power and i think for you know, both for good and for ill but in the case of the executive orders yeah i was going to mention that you know there's kind of already movements to get uh things in place there was a state i don't remember which that was like you know we're basically gonna offer tax incentives for companies to begin manufacturing uh firearms in the state that never get sold outside of the state and thus they're not interstate commerce and so you know go ahead and regulate them federal government and we'll take you to court over it um so i think that there's a lot of ways to kind of push back and the thing too is like i wanted to mention this that like i am extremely optimistic about the future because i think that you know every truth is being laid bare in front of our eyes right now. I mean, there's the concertina fence around the Capitol. There's the fact that we've got this, this man uh, pretending to be president who clearly is not there. Um, I think that the end of the lockdowns conveniently within two weeks after him taking office is another thing. I think that the checks not coming together is another thing. You know, and not to mention the sleight of hand of they're going to be two thousand dollars. Well, when I said two thousand dollars, I meant another fourteen hundred. You know, it's like, no, you said two thousand. Everybody, everybody heard you. 
Um, and, that, and now it's going to be means tested. So, you know, the fat cat's making over $50,000 a year. Don't get one. Um, I think that the whole, the whole thing stinks. And I think that I also think that one thing I learned from 2020 is that the, the shadowy elite forces that operate behind the scenes in this country, uh, they're not actually that smart. You know, they're not as smart and omnipotent as they've led the rest of us to believe. And to me, the evidence of that is um, the lockdowns, because the lockdowns I for I spent all of 2020 thinking, man, the lockdowns are this like coordinated attack on uh, small business in the middle class. That was certainly a happy accident that followed from it. But no, it was just a, it was just a it was just a, a carpet bombing campaign to tank the economy to. To, to harm the president, Donald Trump, going into the election. Um, there was no grander plan beyond that. And there's no grander plan beyond shoving this um, American Karzai into office and, you know, f- and figuring it out. All, what are you going to do? So what are you going to do once Biden's in office? I don't know. We'll figure it out. I don't think there's I don't think there was any plan whatsoever beyond making sure that Biden appeared to win the election. You know, I think that was, I think that was the extent of it. And I think that, you know, the next two to four years, really, especially the next year has to be about calling your state legislator, demanding that they enact um, voter security laws, voter ID laws, strong audits, paper ballots, you know, um, that kind of thing to ensure the integrity of the elections, which are run by the states um, and and the, the state legislators have a great deal of power in determining how the elections are run. I mean, even something as simple as the state legislator saying, hey, courts are not going to decide how our elections are run in this state. Ensuring the integrity of the vote on the state level is very, very important right now. But I think that that is a completely winnable battle. And I think that if that battle is won, I don't see any way that this isn't a complete disaster for the democratic party because all the stuff i just mentioned plus it's like the people who by all outward appearances have the most power in in this regime are, are the people who combine the worst of obama with the worst of bush which is like it's it's this absolutely politically toxic recipe that I think is going to cost them the House, cost them the Senate. And if we can get Ron DeSantis to run, um, I, I think is going to cost them the presidency for quite a long time. I mean, I think this was a really a Pyrrhic victory with the big asterisk of we got to make sure the elections are clean because they were not in 2020. And if they and, you know, and then, you know, guy at guy at the ammo.com office asked me, he's like, I, I said, well, you know, they stole the Georgia Senate seats. And he says, you think they did? And I was like, oh, no, I'm sure that after they stole the presidential election in Georgia, they just said, nah, we'll just we'll just let the, uh, you know, Georgia Senate election uh, run fairly. It's like, of course they did. They're, and they're going to keep doing it until they're stopped. But fortunately, state legislators and, and are, are have a great deal of power over how the states run their elections. And so you should be on the phone pick up the phone and call them. 
I'll say, and don't, tell don't, your friends to. Get, get, so let's even take it a step further, right? Let's say you're you're extremely worried about uh, you know election integrity, and and you have a bunch of friends who are also worried about election integrity. Well, well, get involved. I mean, my goodness, my dad's an elections commissioner in New York, and I know. Almost all the people that end up working uh, on election day for for canvassing the ballots, they're all volunteers. And and yeah. candidly, it's us. That that's that's who the volunteers are. That means the, the political nerds out there. And right now, it's the GOP and the Democrats who have their canvassers. So if you if you don't want to see the elections have any question marks around them, well, it also starts with us getting involved, right? Putting yourself in positions to uh, to hopefully make a difference. Now. Sam, as we we are getting towards the end of the show already, my goodness, we always fly through these conversations, but obviously you you touched on the fact that there's some positive things moving forward, and what you guys are doing, obviously, at the Resistance Library podcast is digging more into some of those positive things, but let's kind of do a quick overview. Uh, You know, we have four years here, maybe less, uh, depending of of a Biden administration. We'll see how things go. Um, So what are some of the positives that we can look at, maybe one or two things that we can take away and look forward to moving forward? Um. I think that a big po- big positive is uh, Liz Cheney's career is over. Um, I think Mitch McConnell's career is over. I think Lindsey Graham's career is over. I think that there are particularly among older voters by that by which I mean voters over sixty. Um, I don't know how else to describe it, but bloodlust for people like Mitt Romney in the Republican party. I think these people are gone. I think that there's going to be um, an intense recruitment campaign to primary them. I mean, McConnell just won his Graham just won his uh, SAS just won his. So we got six years on that. But the thing about old people is, and I'm not, you know, I love old people. I'm not speaking disparagingly by any means. Uh, Old people got long memories for this kind of thing. Um, so there's that. I think there's a whole crop of people in the Republican Party that, frankly, we're, we're better off without and are, don't have much of a political future. And they're welcome to go, you know, join the Lincoln Project uh, in the Democratic Party and all the other ex-Bush hacks that have run over to the Democratic Party. I think that's good news. Um, I think a lot of this stuff is very, very eye opening. You know, I don't get out a heck of a lot, but. I can't tell you how many conversations I have with just random people I meet that go straight to the lockdowns were a scam and the election was stolen in like less than five minutes, you know, and like I'm not, you know, it's not that I don't spend any time at the gun range, but it's not like I'm spending all my time hanging out around a gun range and meeting other gun nuts and, you know, having these conversations with them. It's like normal people. Um, the amount of eye opening that, that 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 happened because of this election, I think, is very, very good. I think that 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 it's only going to increase as we see what the Biden regime does in in practice. Um, I think that whatever President Trump's next move is, whether it's a, a you know a television network or some kind of media enterprise or simply just kind of acting as a as a shadow president and being a rallying point. Um, I, I think that's going to be good. So I think that, you know, there's there's very real reason to be concerned about the damage that the Biden regime will do while they have access to the levers of power. But the good news is, is that the other side is getting very, very organized. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes you got to lose the battle to win the war. And if losing the battle means that, 
the GOP Senate caucus is full of guys like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. Um, I'll, I'll let them steal an election for it. You know, if it means that the house is full of guys like Matt Gates, I'll let them steal the election for it. If it means that, um, you know, we can get Ron DeSantis as president in four years. Um, I, I think, so I think that there's a lot of like, there's a lot of reasons to be encouraged by this, not least of all that, um, I don't believe for a second that Donald Trump actually lost the election. So it's, I think, again, it's a question of where are we going to put our efforts? Uh, call your representatives. As you mentioned, things like county election uh, board members and supervisors. You know, in a lot of cases, these are positions held by elderly people who don't necessarily want to do them anymore. And, you know, stuff like that or uh, precinct captains, you know, for the for the party. Um, a lot of these, it's like, um, it's like joining a volunteer fire firefighter department. You know, it's a bunch of old people who are going to be so thrilled that somebody under the age of 50 has shown up and is interested and is willing to do the legwork. So if you have free time and you're very, very passionate about this, you should, you should, you know, go figure out how do I become a, how do I become an election uh, supervisor? How do I become a poll watcher? How do I become this? How do I become that? There's all kinds of stuff that you can do in your community that's mostly just about showing up. If you have a real itch, uh, run for office. You know, I mean, for whether it's for state legislature, somewhere either the upper or the lower house, or the United States Congress, because I think there's going to be a big thirst for primary opponents. For look at the list of ten of the ten. Uh, Republican Congress critters who voted to impeach President Trump a second time. You think that there? You think there's not their constituents aren't aren't screaming out for somebody to primary them? They absolutely are. I understand it takes a certain kind of person to do that, but if it's if you're like I could I I think about doing it now's the time, now's the time. But beyond that, we got to make sure the elections are clean. That is the number one thing because if we don't do that. It is lost, but we have this kind of like, you know, moment of a moment to, 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 to build on. And, you know, with everything else that's going on with the capital, capital occupation um, and, you know, everything else that I mentioned, there's a, there's a a great, you know, my second, uh, second reference to a Marxist on this podcast, but it is a really good quote. Uh, There's a very famous quote from Mao Zedong and it's, um, there's great chaos under heaven. The situation is excellent. And that is where we are right now. Sam Jacobs, ammo.com. The podcast is the resistance library. What can folks go ahead and expect as they go ahead and subscribe to your podcast? Um, we just had Robbie Starbuck who's running for Congress in the uh, Nashville district on. Yeah, that I just listened really to that one. Cool. Good episode. Uh, we had Peter Quinones on. We talked about public schools and deplatforming. We also have, and I am so excited about this, we have a new uh, news aggregator. It's news.libertasbella.com. There will be, I'll send you a link to throw in the show notes, but like that is my baby right now. Uh, we also do a lot of historical stuff 
on the resistance library podcast. So there's kind of like, there's a lot of different stuff on there. Um, I really urge people to check it out. We're really proud of it. But the thing we're really pushing right now is the, is the news site, uh, which is again, news.libertasbella.com. And I'll, I'll send you a link for the show notes. Rock and roll. Sam Jacobs, ammo.com, the resistance library. And again, as he mentioned, we'll include all those links in the show notes. Thanks for joining the Brian Nichol show. Thanks for having me on. Who likes going to the grocery store? You have to pick up the car, head to the store, shop amongst the covid masses, stand in line for hours at checkout, then drive all the way back home only to have to lug your groceries into the house. Well, what if you were able to get all your groceries delivered right to your door with savings up to 50% off of the big guys? Brian, your Thrive Market order has arrived. Thrive Market is one of the top grocery store alternatives on the market, featuring hundreds of products for specific diets and lifestyles. So, you eating paleo or Whole30, or you living that keto life? Perhaps you have celiacs, like yours truly, and you want some gluten-free options that actually taste good. Side note, Thrive literally has one of the best gluten-free pizza crusts I've ever had. Literally have it every single week. And here's what's even better. Not only do all orders over $49 get free shipping, but members of the Brian Nichols Show audience get 20% off their first order, plus get one month of their Thrive membership for free. So head over to the show notes and click the link for your exclusive Thrive Market offer and start skipping the grocery store today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Sam Jacobs from Ammo.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, you know the drill. Go ahead, share today's episode with some family and friends. And if you want to go ahead and get that share, some more traction, go ahead and tag me at B. Nichols Liberty, be it on Facebook, Twitter, Minds.com, or yes, Parlor.com at B Nichols Liberty. Also, go ahead, shoot me an email, Brian at BrianNicholsShow.com, if you want to go ahead and say hello. And also, if you have not had the chance yet, head over to Apple Podcasts. Well, first, how about this? Head over to wherever it is you get your podcasts, first and foremost. Make sure you've hit subscribe to The Brian Nichols Show so you're not missing a single episode. Then head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. Tell folks why you listen to The Brian Nichols Show. Are you a new listener? What got you interested? Are you a long-time listener? Well, what has gotten you to stick around for so long? And I will ask you, is it maybe episodes like what we have coming up here on Friday? Friday, we are joined by one. Scott Feltman from the One Israel Fund, and he is joining the show to discuss uh, exactly what is happening out in the Middle East in terms of the dynamics and why so many nations such as uh, the UAE, uh, Sudan, and more are now seeking to make peace and doing business with uh, Israel. And actually, Scott, he is the executive vice president of the One Israel Fund, uh, and they've been focusing on uh, giving humanitarian and security aid to more than 65 million uh, folks over the past 26 years into Jewish communities in Judea, Samaria, and the Jordan Valley. So it was a great opportunity to uh, to have a conversation with Scott, learn more about the Middle East. Uh, so make sure you go ahead, uh, hit subscribe so you're not missing that awesome conversation coming up here on Friday. So guys, if you enjoyed today's episode, I ask you once more, please make sure you go ahead and share it with family and friends. Also, make sure you go ahead and support our phenomenal sponsors here on The Brian Nichols Show. With that being said, though, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Sam Jacobs. We'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.